It was pretty shit for many reasons. I found it tougher than an Iron Man. The sort of monotony, like the pure boredom aspect. Everything was hurting. My legs were the least sore. But everything else was painful. Welcome to T1. We're back for a September edition of the podcast. I'm Neil and I'm joined by my co-host Matt. Matt, how are you? Um, um, oh, ooh, questionable. <laughs> we'll come on to that again. <laughs> so today we've got no guests. We're going to talk, we, we thought, we thought, uh, we actually come up with this before the vacation time. We come up with this topic of professional racing and triathlon and how to follow it because it's something that is, is sort of well known amongst smaller fields, right? You know, amongst the small triathlon field, everyone knows about professional racing, but it doesn't have a, a huge following, right? Yeah, I mean, you see the the numbers for some of the races and how many people they have viewing it, and you think, well, what are they? the average Ironman has three thousand, four thousand participants, whatever yeah. it might be, yeah. a few hundred times or seventy point three. It's like there, there's a huge audience. It's like marathon running, right? There's a huge audience of people that take part, but I think probably relatively small percent of those actually sort of follow professional racing. Yeah. Um, and obviously the fact that you're doing these means you're probably a, a sports fan. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah, I think it's, it's, it can be quite a, a minefield. It's quite a confusing sport to follow. So we thought we'd try and kind of demystify or declutter some of that and just make it a little bit easier to understand what the pros or what professional triathlon looks like and maybe a few kind of ideas about how you can follow it and what to follow. Yeah, so we're going to come on to that. We're going to talk about some of the professional races that have been and some that are coming up. Um, give our opinion on who, who the big names are. I'm quite good with the big triathlon names, as we've mentioned previously. <laughs> Matt, how was your summer? Because yeah. we're, we're in September. This is Friday. What what day, what day is it? We're already the first week in September, 7th yeah. or something. Yeah, it's gone, hasn't it? Although this it's, weekend, this week's been summer again. So, true, or, yeah, I can't or again, I, Probably for the first time, it's been summer here. Right, but, tell um, us what you've done over the summer. So we, yeah. So I, uh, I think after Roth, we we both did Roth, right? So June was that, and uh, yeah. had a couple of other short races planned. Did one, had, uh, then vacations for three weeks, um, which I'll get into it too as well. But then uh, pretty much, I suppose, to do a few sort of sprints and, and Olympics and stuff to finish out the year. But uh, I've been sick for the last pretty much month um with pneumonia so i've been bedridden there has been not even a step or a pedal stroke uh performed and it's been miserable <laughs> maybe we should ask your wife what she thinks <laughs> yeah yeah it's completely tough for her as well but uh are you getting better yeah so we're on the up that's the other thing so i've like i think i've uh I've planned next season fully. I've looked at every race possible. <laughs> yeah, I've got the winter. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's on the up now. And I've just sort of, unfortunately, had to say goodbye to a bunch of races at the end of the year, like I said. But yeah. I've kind of uh, sort of yeah, decided to that. just take my take the month, make it nice or literally take it off fully. Yeah. I think in the past, I'm, I'm good at telling people to take a break at the end of their season, but not so good at doing it myself. Yeah. So um had an extended break, got really unfit, which is sometimes necessary. And then I, I think hopefully by Monday, I'm, I'm ready to start 
very, very slowly building things up because I've got no condition. It's relatively unfit. Let's let's be real here. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, like a a good set of staircase can can feels like a half iron man at the moment. That's the same for anyone. I say this to Magda all the time. Like of all my years of being involved in in cycling, obviously not professionally, but professionals will tell you the same. No one will walk up the stairs. Like there's no professional (laughs) cyclist. I'll walk up the stairs. They'll all take the elevator. There's um, a, a saying that they used to, I remember people saying before, like, this is on tape a week before an Ironman, and they say, like, if, if you're walking, stand, if you stand, sit, and if you're sitting, lie down. Yeah, totally. And if so, yeah, I think totally. that's a pro, the pro attitude. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah. How about your summer? Uh, it's been quite active. Uh, well, it's been quite busy. Maybe active is the wrong word. It's not been active in a sense of uh, races. So I've done Roth, and then I've just been vegetating since then <laughs> i've done some running i've done a park run well let, let's go back right so i've done roth and then i was planning a trip on the gravel bikes i got a new gravel bike so i did that i went to krakow I, I cycled from amsterdam to krakow on the gravel bike how far is that that was 1350 kilometers <sighs> yeah but I kind of messed up because I had a couple of... I, I didn't take it too serious in the planning stage. I was just... It was just all a bit blasé. I was like, well, I know I can bike, you know, the mileage is not a problem. You know, I can do 180k in a race or I can do 150k ride. And I thought, that's fine. So I didn't... So I had a couple of plans in my head where there was a, a nine-day version and an eight-day version. Um, and I thought... Uh, that I had an eight day version and a seven day version. And then when it came to doing it, I was like, oh, I'll do the eight day version and give myself uh, some extra time. So I kind of messed up. That was actually the, the tougher version. <laughs> so that was the first thing. So that meant that each day was around about, uh, I was averaging, I think, 165 kilometers a day. So that was pretty rough. Good uh, effort on the gravel bike as well. Oh, gosh, tell me about it. And then I, I had a few flexible days planned into either of these plans so that if things were a bit tough, I could just relax and enjoy it. But I messed that up because the world uh cycling championships was going through my hometown and i'd misplanned that i didn't really know it was going right through my hometown until last minute and i was like well, i don't want to miss that opportunity so i <laughs> took a flight home but by doing that i burned my flexible days it meant i had to start my trip a couple of days later so i was committed from the very beginning to an eight-day trip which i thought was the easier trip and it was actually the tougher trip so <laughs> long story short it was fucking tough and this was your first bikepacking trip right uh, yeah, I mean, bikepacking would be a bit unfair because I stayed in hotels. Um, okay, like but, luxury, yeah. luxury bike. Yeah, I mean, it's the, probably the bike first. Clamping. It's the first. Uh, gra- I'd only been in my gravel bike once before that, so I just thought, you know, what's the worst that can happen? It, it was. I mean, we'll maybe do an episode about this, and I think we spoke about doing something like this um, maybe later in the season, in the off season, to talk generally more about these things. So I don't want to go into it too much, but. It was it was pretty shit, and and for many reasons, like I found it tougher than an Ironman for many reasons of the sort of monotony, like the the the, the pure boredom aspect. Yeah. Um it was tough. Everything was hurting. My legs were the least sore. Like everything else was painful, and the temperatures. It was like thirty four degrees for half of it. It's the first time I've thought about giving something up in a long time. Uh, around about day three, day four, I remember starting to think like, how can I get out of this? And then it was like, I was just kind of like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you. <laughs> like this, this, the whole, the idea of this event. I'm like, no, I'm beating you, and I, and I just kept going. And so it was good from that point of view. Nice, lovely routes, but 
um, halfway through, I made the decision to switch from gravel paths, uh, sorry, from off-road, fully off-road to using on-road and, and lighter gravel paths. So, But then, of course, I had my gravel bike on roads, which made it a little bit more challenging as well. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So anyway, that was my gravel ride. <laughs> and then I went to then I went to Mallorca, had a week of doing absolutely nothing there, took my run shoes, didn't make it out the suitcase. Um, <laughs> I was in, when I, when, I, when I went to Poland, so obviously I cycled to Krakow, and then I spent some days there. I'd done a, I'd done a park run. That was quite good fun. But yeah, that's it. It's been quite, been quite relaxed. Nothing. We'll, we'll get into this on another pod. But if you were to do the like that sort of gravel trip again, what would you do differently? Or like, what's the main thing you would change? I'd do it with someone. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It. it can be quite long and lonely. Yeah, I think that's all I've really changed. It's just about. I mean, I've given it a really hard time, but you know, looking back, I'm I'm glad I've done it. But I wouldn't do it again. That would be this one of yeah. the sole reasons is I'd, I'd want to do it with someone. Yeah, I did a a trip that, like maybe 10 years ago, something where a friend and I followed the Danube from Austria, from some Vienna through to Serbia somewhere. What I think is when you going in a straight line, a lot of it's quite kind of the same, right? That you follow a river or you follow a canal or a pass through the forest and you'll get like 40 kilometers, which is just looks identical kind of thing. So it kind of feels like you're going nowhere. I had that for two days, this canal, the Mittelland Canal in Germany. It's 380 kilometers long, goes right <laughs> through the middle of Germany. And so it's great for getting there, but you just... Well, <laughs> I remember planning the, the route and saying, oh, this is just along a big canal. And I remember thinking, well, that's probably quite good. I was like, this is a yeah. trip about going from A to B, Neil. This is not a trip about gravel riding. And God, did I regret that decision as soon as I got on about 20 kilometres on that canal. It was it was just... Uh, it's definitely for another episode and we can maybe get some other people's <laughs> opinions. But it, the, it, things change. Like, you know... Doing a six-hour ride in Mallorca versus doing a six-hour ride on your own on a gravel bike through Germany, I can't, exp even when the weather was good, cannot explain how much of a different feeling uh, it was. It was quite lonely, but I think it's for another another podcast, but um, <laughs> that would be the one thing I would one thing I would change. What about Slovenia? Because you spent some time, you were in Austria, Slovenia, where else? Yeah, so we did a week in Austria, then a week in Slovenia, or just over a week, and then Austria on the way back. And uh, I took my gravel bike as well. Um, and yes, Slovenia is the first time I rode there. So, um, we were up in the Northwest. So it's about 40 minutes Northwest of Ljubljana, the capital, like right by the border where it's borders with Italy and, uh, Austria, all that. And, uh, it's like Tr Triglavski, the national park there and, uh, that sort of area. And like, you're on all these crazy little sort of climbs to nowhere, which look like looks like no one's ever been on it. And then you, you check Strava and it's sort of like, you know, Tadej Pogacar is, is number one. And uh, yeah, Mahi Maharic or something like that is number two. But um, yeah, I got some great riding there. But the one thing, I think my mistake there was, to, I, I thought that taking a gravel bike would allow me to do a little bit of everything, you know, sort of allow a little bit of sort of, sort of, I don't know, like, uh, flexibility in what routes and stuff I chose. And this applies a bit to Austria as well, but actually because those areas are just so hilly and so mountainous, it's basically you should ride a road bike or a mountain bike because the off-road is just too off-road to really be able to even use a gravel bike. I had a lot of off-road sections on mine that were, you know, I was thinking I'd prefer to do it my mountain bike, but it was doable. But it's not good when you're trying to smash out 160k that day. That that was yeah, the issue yeah. I was finding. But 
in what way were you struggling? Was it was it just too technical for a gravel it, bike? Once or? you went off road, it was like chunky rocks at twenty eight percent kind of thing. So it was just like because you everywhere there is like a valley or a or a mountain, right? So you're just sort of constantly you're either on good roads or uh, I mean some of the roads aren't so good as well. Um, so I, I think I would recommend taking a like a road bike with some good wide tires on there because the road conditions are go from like good to potholes everywhere kind of thing. But, um, and it's a bit rougher, but it's not sort of so rough. You'd need to have a gravel bike. And then I had a bit of that when I switched up to the roads, which I was then therefore grateful because I was on the road with my yeah. gravel bike. And then I was like, Hey, I can do this. Like I've got a gravel bike, like fuck you to the, to the roads. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, I had a terrible relationship with this bike. <laughs> But it's, uh, it's cool riding. I like I did enjoy being there and stuff. But I think, yeah, I'd either, the same for Austria, I'd either take a road bike or a gravel, uh, sorry, or a mountain bike next time to those areas where if it's big hills, I think the I think the gravel bike's probably better for sort of like rolling stroke flat places where you've got a lot of like farm tracks and like around here in the Netherlands and the south, it's great. And into Belgium, loads of like, it just makes it more fun, right? Because there's not many mountains, not many hills and stuff, but you can get off road and there's loads of like farm tracks and grassy routes and all those things you can follow where I think that's where the gravel bike sort of really sort of, you know, is at its best. Whereas once it gets too gnarly and stuff, it was just, yeah, I mean, maybe you could like, if you were a super experienced off road, you could have ridden it, but even then I'm, I'm not sure. Most of it was almost sort of, unridably muddy or unridably rocky and yeah. stuff without without a mountain bike so that's one thing i have to say about my bike ride that was good i didn't have bad weather well i mean you could say that the heat was bad but i mean i'd take mm. that over the rain anytime so yeah yeah being cold for yeah. eight hours on a bike isn't much good gosh that'd be wrong let's talk about professional racing and specifically professional triathlon racing we don't want to talk too much about professional cycle racing here or that's another podcast but yeah, I mean, where to begin? I mean, it, it's confusing, isn't it, when it comes to professional racing? There's different distances, there's different disciplines, not disciplines, like different bodies that do races. There is the pro field, there's the pro age groupers that are amateurs, but we might see them as pro. Like, where where, where does this even begin? Yeah. I was I was talking to someone about this the other the other day and they were asking about something they'd seen on TV and they're like, that's triathlon, right? Uh, and... I realized that in the last two weeks, if you'd sort of watched Eurosport or something, you would have had Super League Triathlon, which is short, sharp racing. You'd have had the Paris test event getting ready for the Olympics next year. You could have watched the PTO event and it was also the half Ironman World Championships. And every one of them to the outside sort of as a viewer is a triathlon, right? And every one of them has a completely different athlete taking, or pretty much a different athlete taking part. Maybe the easiest way to start with is let's go, you've got short course and long course triathlon. Let's keep it really simple. Simple. So when we're talking about distance and short course generally traditionally has been considered sort of the Olympic distance. Uh, and that's literally what you see at the Olympics. Uh, you know, the 1500, 40, 10K, Brownlee brothers, uh, like Jan Fredino won the Olympic gold as well in his day as well. Uh, and obviously before moving up to long course, yeah. uh, in Beijing, yeah, Gomez. And now the big, the big ones, are Hayden Wild and Alex Yi. But basically you've got short course and let, let's break it down further in short course. You've got two types of racing. I would say you've got 
the World Series, which is the the closest thing to the Olympics. It's sort of the Olympic Series. It's the or you know if you like the kind of the one that's most closely affiliated with the Olympic mm-hmm. Games and the same distance and the same format. Always swim, bike, run. Always uh, from pretty much always sort of fifteen hundred meter swim, forty k bike. 10k run, although they are experimenting with some shorter stuff. And um, it happens pretty much throughout the year, sort of starts early, maybe February, March, and runs through towards sort of October, November. Is it draft legal? It's draft legal on the bike, yeah. So they're using road bikes for that reason, draft legal on the bike. And... You to watch it is usually on the BBC or NBC, I think, in the US, or you can sign up for a pass and watch it online um, if you're really into it. What I would say is if you're interested in this kind of racing and you want to get a bit of a view to sort of what the Olympics are looking like next year, then they just follow the, the World Triathlon Series on YouTube and they do a really good, like after every race, they'll do a really good sort of four-minute summary of it as well. So you can right. kind of follow the highlights in that way. So you've got two types. So you've got, we've got that. That's the sort of the official one. Then you've got the young upstart, which is Super League triathlon. And Super League is pretty much the same athletes because it's short, sharp racing. But this is where it's sort of a more packaged for TV deal. And basically it only happens for a month or two each year. And it's about this time of year. It's it's sort of August, September. We've got two more races and it's a short series, five, five races, six races. So similar type of athletes, but it's much, much shorter. All the races are pretty much over within one hour and they change the format up. So it could be that they do three really, really short races back to back. So it goes swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run. Mm -hmm. It could be that they do like an eliminator it's called where they do something like that. But the people that are at last in the race get lapped out or they get taken out so it's sort of so it's a process bit more punchy of and a bit more definitely punchier and i would say if you're if you're not watching any triathlon and you're interested to get started go for super league because it's really entertaining they all the, they have, there's a individual element but there's also a team element to it they have the athletes and teams so people are trying to kind of win points for their teams yeah. as well. And as well as the overall win, you get points for maybe the fastest swim on the day or the fastest bike. It's also draft legal on the bike. Is this um, one that so that's done, the similarity there. They've done through COVID using Zwift, if I remember. Like They, they do in, in winter, they do like an indoor version of this, which is a bit of a gimmick, but they, they'll go to a certain place like a, with a 50 meter swimming pool and they'll put a bike trainer and a run tra- a run thing on the pool side and then they'll do it there. I've done a Zwift uh, duathlon uh, on how was it Wednesday so I'm saying I've not done anything I don't know I've done a job yeah you've done a lot more than I have (laughs) yeah you've got a good reason how was it it was cool I wasn't going balls to the wall because I've not been very active but it was it was quite cool nice so I've done 35 minutes on the bike you get a five minute transition which is a fast one for me (laughs) I only had to move uh, 10 centimetres from the bike onto the treadmill and then you go on the treadmill for 20 minutes and it's all in Zwift and and I found myself towards the end like trying to catch a guy and you know yeah pushing yourself a little bit yeah it's not a race but it is a race it's it's not a race because it's only to see how far you go in the the allotted time right so So it's like a personal yeah 
kind of yeah. you setting a benchmark for yourself. Exactly, you know? and I thought that's perfect for me just now because I've no goals, nothing. I'm just kind of playing around. So yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. But yeah, sorry, I digress. So so that's short course. So you have this world uh, series. World triathlon series, and then Super League triathlon. So World triathlon series is one race left for the year, and that's called the Grand Final, and it's in Pontevedra in Spain, and that's uh, I think the week of September nineteenth. So next weekend, they call it the Grand Final. Um, it used to be that you it was a, like a, a series with a, a with a grand final at the end, and whoever won became sort of world champion for that year. But now it's more of an accumulated points thing. But the grand final has extra points, so it's more the decider. Yeah, and um, it makes people but, concentrate on it throughout the season. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So everyone season. will be there, and it's a good indicator of sort of where forms at, and particularly particularly interesting with the Olympics coming next year. So for that, you want to be watching people like uh, Alex the Brit, Hayden Wilde, the New Zealander, and definitely uh, Christian Blumenthal, who obviously has been uh, up in long course and he's the current Olympic champion, but he's returning down to that distance, so getting nice and fast now. It's quite hard to do that, to go up and down like that in a season. Never been done before. Right. So he's he's really a unique character in that way. So, uh, But yeah, and we'll wait and see if he can come down and be quite as competitive as he was before, because he's definitely sort of playing catch-up now. But um, we'll see for next year whether he, he seems quite confident he'll be ready for, for next year and he's got these eyes on the prize. But uh, for the women, also sort of up in the air a little bit because the two best in the world probably is uh, Flora Duffy, who is current Olympic champion, and Georgia Taylor-Brown, the Brit, who is also silver or bronze medalist. I'm going to say silver medalist in, in uh, Tokyo, but they're both out with quite significant injuries at the moment. So it sort of opened up the field a lot, a lot more kind of different athletes winning each time. Brits tend to, to do pretty well at this, but uh, yeah, it's quite open, quite an open field and quite, quite, quite entertaining for that. And then for the Super League, there's one more race. No, sorry, there's two more. There's one this weekend, which is uh, taking place in Malibu. Oh, nice. Which sounds super glamorous, but it actually like the, the swim's super fun because uh, it's quite you know there's Malibu surf there, so you can really you see some of them really like catch a break mm-hmm. kind of, and they'll come in on the waves and smash it. But the rest of it looks like it takes place in a car park, so <laughs> not not the most fun, not as fun as it sounds. And then the final race of the series is uh, in Saudi in a in a oh. city which isn't been built yet, so oh, that's uh, also a sandy car park. But yeah. like I say, Super League well worth following. So I would if you're interested in that um they broadcast live on youtube they broadcast on their own tv on their own channel sort of on their site i would sign uh, go to uh, super league triathlon uh, website and sign up and then you'll get a reminder in your inbox sort of when it's about to start broadcasting so it's a good what's the incentives for athletes here big prize money TV exposure, sponsorship deals, like what, what's drawn them to it? In terms of the the World Triathlon Series is probably the most prestigious for a young, tri, you know, or for, sorry, for a short course triathlete. And that's really just sort of world championships. You get backed by your your country's federation. So you, you, you know, you're racing for for the Britain or Netherlands or US or whatever it might be. And you, you're earning points to potentially qualify to, to go to the Olympics. So, and for the Super League, it's good money. Um, I mean, not crazy. I think the sort of end prize money is maybe like 
50 grand for the winner or something, but they get money along the way. Um, but they also get some prime like primes along the way as well. And apparently they're well looked after in terms of, um, I think super league arrange all their like accommodation and travel for this month. So they, you know, it's a real kind of rolling circus kind of thing affair for this month where they go from one race to the next. And, uh, really, yeah, I really recommend watching that. It's good fun to watch. And they, they, they play with the format a lot, which is interesting and makes it sort of appeal to different types of athletes each time. And then we've got long course. Yeah. So then we, let's move up to long course. And by long course, I would say that means half Ironman and Ironman distance. So 70.3 and full distance. And we say Ironman and half Ironman, but you know, that includes other races, challenge, race, whoever, you know, local organization might be. And then recently, uh, we've had the PTO races. So this is a professional triathletes organization and they have sort of come on board with a lot of money and organized, I think just a couple of races last year, there's been three races this year and apparently they're going to have sort of seven or eight races next year and make it much more of a series. And that is a bit shorter than a half Ironman distance. It's a hundred kilometers where they do two kilometer swim, 80 kilometer bike and 18 kilometer run. What's the point in that? Like, why not just keep it what everyone knows as a half? Like, why? why? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm I'm not entirely sure. Apparently the reason, or if you go into this, it's being a little bit shorter makes it a better television package. And the PTO is all about making courses and making a bit more like laps and stuff. So sort of bringing a more televisual package to long course triathlon. They're rewarding people with that because they're paying really huge prize Pay huge prize money by triathlon standard, like a hundred thousand for the win, you know, these races. So huge prize purse. And then the idea is that next year by being a slightly shorter run, even just that 3K at the end of it, you get people who will dedicate themselves to doing maybe six or eight races next year. You sort of take some of the beating up of the body away. And whereas, you know, a a seven, well, definitely an Ironman, you don't really get many pro athletes racing more than two, maybe three in a year. 70.3, you might get three or four as well into a year. But the idea with this distance is they can make a bit more of a kind of season long storyline, make it more of a real series. And they're going to be paying athletes to sort of do the whole series and lock them in to that series. So that's been a real game changer, I would say, sort of this season but there's none no more races left this year we're going to wait and see which the races are for next year and they've all been pretty well they look to be cool venues the last one was in singapore for example and it was right down in the harbor it wasn't sort of out at some random shopping center in the middle of nowhere it's literally sort of at marina bay you know you've seen the bridges seeing the like buildings swimming in the bay there so that was cool you would hope this will bring it to more people to more interested audiences and they broadcast this on eurosport and it's also on the gcn app and the likes of that so the idea is a much more televisual package which will bring it more to mainstream audiences and i think if you are interested in sort of following short uh, sorry long course racing this is probably be where I'd start because, or next year at least, because the problem that you have with 70.3 is nine mans is they're sort of just sort of 
individual standalone events, which just happen once and then you, you sort of move past it again. Whereas I think bringing a bit more of a series, you get to know the personalities, you'll get to see the racing different. Hopefully at least they'll choose really like different courses, which will suit different athletes each race. So you'll yeah. get a little bit more variety. And I think that'll bring it to life a little bit more. So hopefully yeah. that, I think that's the idea. And I think that's a, a good way to follow. And a lot of the athletes that are doing the PTO race are the ones that are still doing the half Ironman and Ironman racing anyway. So, you know, sort of leads on to, onto those. So again, if you kind of follow some of those, you know, the racing in the PTO, you'll also get a sense of who to look for when it comes to the big kind of half Ironman, Ironman world championships, or maybe like Roth next year and some of those bigger races anyway. Okay. So, okay. So we spoke about what's coming up. Um, uh, One of the, and, We've spoke about the 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 short course and the long course ones that are coming up, but what what, what one of the big ones is the Ironman World Championships, right? Which is in Nice on Sunday. Yeah, this so the for the first time, yeah, the yeah. men's and women's is split. So yeah. I think if you say Ironman World Champs, well, either people might know that's that's Kona, or they might just know of Ironman Hawaii, right? Like yeah. I think that's the that's the triathlon of you probably beyond the Olympics if you've ever if you don't follow triathlon and you've but that's changing this year right so it's changing this year so for the first time they're splitting the men's and women's field they've always been on the same day until a couple of years ago then or last year and then they split the days uh so the women had their own day so the women raced on the thursday and the men raced on the saturday and basically for all sorts of logistical reasons and the fact that the residents of a small island in Hawaii pretty much hate being overtaken by 8,000 triathletes every October. Um, They needed to split this up and uh, we can get to the pros and cons of doing that. But basically the idea is that they have the men's race in Nice this weekend. And then in October, there's the women's race, which will stay in Kona. And then next year it will be the, the, the reverse of that. So the women will race in Nice then the men will race in Kona. Why did they choose Nice? Because Nice is quite a hilly course, right? I, I was yeah. hearing today it's over 2,000 metres of vertical. 2,500, I think, of vertical. So It's a long day anyway, that, that yeah. kind of climbing on any bike. But, um, yeah, why Nice? There's always been a very successful Ironman in Nice. You know, Ironman France has been Nice for a long time. It has a, a big history in the sport, like one sort of, 25 years ago the nice race was it was a different distance it was still a long course but back before kind of ironman was ironman it was this you know monolith or as you know they sort of they totally uh stood over long course triathlon like it was different distances but and nice was like as big probably at that point as uh as kona was before it got that kind of mm-hmm mythical you know, reputation i suspect as well it's i mean it's a big enough town to host this kind of event and they probably stumped up the cash to have it there yeah, yeah. as a you know, as, as a main sporting event but um what it does uh, you know like it or, or not you know and there's a lot of opinions and we could probably have a whole show on that but like it or not it's definitely going to open it up to a different athlete potentially because of mainly that bike course uh difference with having yeah, 2,500 or more meters of elevation. It's going to be quite a lot of the course is going to be at elevation. And then there's going to be obviously, you know, what goes up must come down. There's going to be a lot of descending as well. So the the thought being it's going to be really like splitting up the bike 
Whereas Kona's kind of a much more, it has elevation, but it's much more rolling. There's not really a proper climb in there. So, you know, it tends to suit a different type of rider. Plus, I mean, it's going to be hot, but it's going to be a different type of heat from the Kona heat, I think. So it'll maybe appeal to a different rider or different type of athlete in that way. Yeah, so we're going to see. It's going to be interesting. Who are you picking to win? Now, we says we're going to pick our top three, but to be honest, I think I would just be pulling names. I don't know who to look at. Magnus Dietlev, he's the world champ. Uh, sorry, he holds the world record. He won Roth. He got the world record there. Yeah. And I was expecting, again, just in my sort of ignorance and not knowing too much about racing, and this is why I find this topic or this this podcast quite interesting, I was expecting big things from him when I watched the PTO in Milwaukee. And he just... Crumbled. He just, he just blew up, like, I don't even know, I think he needed the toilet or something, they said. Yeah, apparently he picked up something since since Roth. He had a bit of uh, stomach issues and yeah. stuff. So, But you don't know how much that's going to carry on, right, or how much that's yeah. affecting training. But the word is he's in good form. Yeah, we spoke about him previously, like, could he win? I mean, does the climbing suit him? Is he a good descender? I mean, in my experience, generally, and I'm not in the pro field, as we all know, but the triathletes generally are not very good descenders. Yeah, um, and that 100%. could make or break someone's attempt here. For, for yeah, them. I think it's, like, I mean, that's the thought is that it'll, this could really break stuff up, you know, and make it a different kind of race. So, I mean, I think you have to pick, like, Ditlev's going to be there or thereabouts. He's just such a strong cyclist. I thought that the hills might cost him, but apparently he's pushing such big numbers and uh, he's actually gone ahead and his team have invented the world's first triathlon dropper post for his bike. <laughs> I, know, I've, I heard that today. It's just fantastic. And apparently he's absolutely smashing down the hills. I don't get it. I mean, I'm sure it makes sense, but I, I'm trying to figure out why. Well, that I, helps for someone like him, he's like six foot four or whatever. He's 190 whatever centimeters. He's tall, right? So naturally he sits very high on the bike. So going around a corner, that just gives you a big lever, right? So it, it makes, it's harder to corner as a taller athlete because he's sat so high. So basically if, if he can sort of drop his seat post by 50 centimeters or whatever it is, cause he's got quite a, you know, he's a tall athlete. He's got a lot of room there. He can bring his center of gravity down if he can bring that all the way down, then he, it just makes it a lot more, yeah, lower to the ground. So he can push, you know, push into the corners a little bit heavier. We're also seeing a a lot of the uh, bright previews that, you know, some of the athletes have been putting up there and they're saying it's not as technical a descent as maybe they'd first feared. So. And Fredino, is he doing this? Uh, He's, so Jan Fredino, so to most people's sort of opinion, the best there's ever been maybe because he won gold at the Olympics and then he's got a couple of Ironman World Championships, a couple of 70.3 World Championships and then he won PTO Milwaukee earlier this year as well. So really I'm done it all. And this you, is don't, a, you don't see him as the bit greatest of all time. Uh, I don't I'm know. I think it's too, too complicated a question for me. <laughs> okay, we'll keep that for a for yeah. But he's racing, right? Yeah, I think he would be a lot of people's favorites going in. And But really? the same applies. Like, he's a big guy, like, tall guy. There's nothing yeah. of him, but he's a tall guy, so I don't know. He's also, this is his last dance, right? This is his last competitive. This is his last, last big race, maybe his last race. I don't know what the pressure's like. He always tends to... To, to sort of stand up to the pressure. He's not going in this for the win, surely. I mean, he's... he's. I think he is. I think he is. I really? think he's the type of athlete that the lines up without it. And I wouldn't have picked him to win in Milwaukee, I'll be honest. So you don't write him off. But I I would be super surprised if he won this. But most people have him as the favourite. Him or Dip Lev as the favourite, I think. Interesting. 
Patrick Langer, who was second in Roth, obviously, and also two-time where I'm a world champion in Kona, but he's the opposite, right? He's a small guy, very small guy. So, I mean, potentially, and he also trains with, with a lot of cyclists. So potentially an advantage for going up these climbs being a lot more, he, he might struggle on a course like Roth where Laidlow and, and Ditlev were able to drop him, but you know, understandably sort of when they're just putting out those huge Watts and Roth is, up and down and rolling, but yeah. never a big long climb in the way that there is in Nice, where there's a sort of apparently a basically an hour long climb yeah. in there. So you'd think in terms of what's per kilo, he's got the advantage. And then the other thing, it's going to be really hot and he's the best runner and he's the best runner in the heat in the field. So I think if he gets up off within five, six meters of the bike, I think he's the favorite off the bike. You're one, two, three. I think Langer might take it. Okay. And I also think there's going to be a French, someone French on the podium. I think maybe most people are saying Leon Chevalier, but I think it might be a surprise. So I'm going to go with Clement, Clement Mignon uh-huh. also on there. Uh, maybe sort of heart overhead. I, I'd like to see Joe Skipper get, get on there. And I think he's an, another big guy, but he's a really, he, he comes from a cycling background. Where is so he from? I think what country is he from? From the UK. He's from the UK. Okay. So I'm going to put him on there. I'm going to be super controversial and say that Ditlev and Fredino are not good enough runners. They'll run, both of those will run 240 all day long, I think, but I don't think they can drop into the two thirties. And I think, Patrick Lang can run 2.30. So they need five to 10 minutes off him on the coming off the bike. And Joe Skipper will run a 2.32, 2.33 all day long. So I think maybe even if he came off the bike with, uh, with Langer, I think he's able to hurt himself, like to put himself there to just stay on him. And who, who knows at that point, but I, I just don't see those guys making that sort of time up on this bike course. Cause I think, having an hour uphill sort of plays into the strengths of the lighter guys who, you know, can, they might not be able to put those really big times in on a flat course because they haven't got the pure Watts, but when it comes to what per kilo, then I think they might, it's possible. So, okay. So yeah. that's your, that's what we're going with. We'll, we'll revisit that in the next, uh, the next podcast. And then if, if we move on to Kona for the women's event in, in October, October the 14th. So the women will race on October the 14th. It's the Kona that we all sort of know and love. And I think there's a, a lot of, it's going to be really exciting for this race because I think Chelsea Sodaro won last year, sort of out of nowhere, really. Um, incredible runner, we all knew that, but she had sort of dream swim and dream bike and was right there with the front pack and able to run away with it, which was unexpected. And it seemed like maybe the announce, you know, announcing a, a new star, but she's had sort of a really indifferent year so far. She had a good, good race in Singapore, but not the greatest at the PTO race in Singapore, not the greatest field ever. So I'd be surprised if she's up there again, but she, she certainly can be. Then you've got Daniela Reef, who, who is sort of, again, sort of the Frodo almost of the women's yeah. uh, game. She was uh, an ex short course athlete moved up and she's won, God knows how many long course at 70.3 and world champion. I think she's got about eight or nine between them. Is but she she's, a similar age to Fredino or is she? No, not young? as old actually. She's right. less, I think she's about 35. So she's right. not as old as sort of, we yeah. tend to think just cause she was dominant for such a long time now. And Taylor Nib? That's the wild card, right? Is the, the 70.3 champion Taylor Nib. So she's a 25 year old American. 
she is so she's doing what Blumenfeld done. She's still racing short course, and she's now qualified at the Paris Test event. She finished, I think, third or fourth, third. So that means, according to the US sort of uh, criteria, she she's qualified for Paris next year. So she doesn't need to do any more racing. So she's announced she's not going to race Pontevedra. She's not going to do any of the uh, Super League triathlon. So she's free basically. And because she won the seventy point three last year, she gets a free qualification to Kona. She is the next long long course star sort of in the making. And if she moved long course after Paris, she could win 10 in a row. She's that gifted. She swims front pack. She can swim on Lucy Charles Barclays feet. She rides like Daniela Reef. In fact, she rode time into Daniela Reef at the 70.3 and she runs like the she runs as well as the best runners in the sport. Maybe not quite an Anne Hug or a uh, Chelsea Sadara at best, but she's she only gives a couple of minutes to those. So she can sort of swim and bike as well as anyone and run maybe just a little bit off the top of them. So it's if she the rumors are that she's gonna line up for Kona. If she does, you have to take her seriously. But it's also this would be her first Ironman at the World Championships, the first full distance race. So no, wait, yeah, her first full distance. Ever? Ever, no. yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Uh, she's be... perfectly capable of it and she has a great team around her, but I, you just have to think doing your first ever marathon in Kona <laughs> and she's going to be, she'll get off the bike in the front of the, like, I'm, if she lines up, she will be leading after the bike. I'm certain of it. But then you just have to think it's too much for someone that young with that little experience to yeah, sort of sometimes hold on. Could be, could be. I mean, people said the same about Chrissy Wellington when she first came across, but she'd at least done one Ironman before. Right, give us your one, two, three for the, for the women's event for Kona. I'm going to go... No changing, just give us a... Oh, up. man, that's a, it's really hard with the women because you've got, like, Laura Phillip could be there. Lucy Charles will be there or thereabouts, but she's been injured. So Lucy Charles always comes second or third at Kona. So let's I know, go I've for, seen that. She comes second or third at Kona again. <laughs> what one's it going if, to be, second or third? Uh, I think third maybe this Oof, time around. She was second last year, right? Anne Haig's been... Uh, Anne Hogg's been just ripping it up this year, so I think she'll definitely make the podium. So that leaves one spot and it's the top spot and you haven't said Daniela Reef. It's either going to be Daniela Reef or Taylor Nib. Taylor Nib either hangs on or she falls apart to be like fourth or fifth. And Daniela Reef has got three of these under her Yeah. Belt. I'm going to say Reef. I think she's still got another co So you Reef and Hag and... And Lucy Charles. Lucy Charles, yeah. With, I don't know, but the thing is, you've got Chelsea Sodaro, who will be there or thereabouts. You've got Laura no, Phillip, no, who will be there or thereabouts. We're just taking your top three now. You've got, got, yeah. It. Ah, no, that doesn't matter. And, doesn't uh, matter. Sorry, Cat Matthews I've missed as well. Oh, I think Cat Matthews will be there as well. Honestly, this, this is what's I've great t- about the women's I've race. Taken... I think there's genuinely seven or eight women who could make this. You've given us your top three, and it's staying yeah. as those top three, I'm afraid. there's. Uh... But that, that, that makes it great watching. But October the 14th, just to say, as we said before, it's on Iron Man now and it's also on YouTube. They do a, a live stream, so um, definitely worth watching that one. One last thing I just want to cover, um, and then and then we're actually at the end, we're going to briefly wrap up, but that is the the rules, the judgments of people crossing over. It, it's been brought <laughs> to light by uh, Lionel Sanders. Yeah, the 70.3 World Championships in Finland. So Lionel Sanders finally had a, a half-decent swim. He was in a great position to, and moving up through the field on the bike. And then he crosses the imaginary centre line on a back country road in Finland and he gets disqualified. I think yeah. 
way unfair. I think the the judge being a complete arsehole is the only way I can yeah. describe that. You know What's your thoughts? I mean, it this feels is like, bullshit. Um, uh, and sorry, I should also add, it was Yap that told me this and I found it, was that the, the Ironman were sort of showing the race after and showing the highlights or something, and there was a video of Blumenfeld crossing the centre line, an actual centre line that's been drawn. Well, uh, Talbot Cox, who's a Sanders videographer, but, you know, sort of a, a personality in this space, he said apparently he's got, a, or he put together a video where just using Iron Man's own footage, he, there's 14 different people in the men and women's race crossing the center line. Unbelievable. So, it's yeah. absolute bullshit. I think for me that, that this has always been a rule that you whether and it has always been a sort of whether it's real or imaginary you can't cross the centre line. Again, but it that, seems it's to just me, they're not applying it very consistently. Uh, That's the problem. Firstly, that, but also, I think there's this pendulum swing with like a couple of years ago, everyone was complaining that there were motos sitting on the front, and so if you were at the front on the bike, you got an advantage. There were too many around. There was too much. There was drafting throughout that they weren't calling it. People were slotting in. All these different rules all the way through, and saying that basically they, the judges weren't calling anything. Right? It feels like there's been a real reaction in the last. I'm going to say year since Kona last year because, like Ditlev, Laura Phillip, like there were a lot of big penalties last year at Kona. Yep. It felt like they all of a sudden just decided that they're gonna get serious about doing upholding the rules right and yeah but then just be consistent i mean there you've got another three four however many judges to me you've got two things you can referee something like a i don't know like you, you can be the policeman who calls every infringement or and like being topical because the uh, rugby world cup starting today they rugby referees are there to uphold the rules of, rules of the game but they're also there to make sure that the game becomes the best spectacle possible yeah. for the for the spectator so they are half judge and half coach to the players and they'll say hey captain your players are getting a little bit too close from the line or from the scrum here. Um, make sure they back off or the next time I'm going to cause a penalty, call a penalty. They coach the players through a, through a game. And I think like in this case, like a moto coming up to Lionel and going, Lionel, you're crossing the center line. You do that one more time. I'm going to have to give you a card. Yeah. What's wrong with that? And I think if they were to use that as the sort of the basis, like, are, is somebody trying to get an unfair advantage? Are they sort of cheating purposely? Then maybe you call it. But other than that, like this is this is a pro. This is their race for the season they've been aiming at. It's someone's livelihood, but it's also a spectacle for everyone else. You've you've denied everybody that is a fan of the sport the opportunity to. You know, he might not have ever got to the front of and that they've race. Given, they've but, sort of, they're bringing Iron Man into a bit of shit press as well, which has not yeah. been great over the last couple of weeks or weekends. That's for sure. So it's 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 not helping. But yeah. there's also an element of responsibility online, or not least for crossing the line. But he didn't truly understand what it meant. He could have continued and disputed this later. Yeah, and he did sort of continue, but you know his heart didn't wasn't quite. In it yeah, anymore. yeah, yeah. And then he didn't really know how to dispute it, and he said himself, you know, that was a bit silly. And then, you know, he puts it down to the fact he's never had the penalty, but still, I mean, he should have known that. But it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, it's, they know for next time. But I do think, like, I think they need to move to a place where it's about sort of 
how do we maximize the race and make sure people aren't getting an unfair advantage, but also maximizing the race for spectators as much as, and like for the, for the brand itself, you know, for like to have the best, like if he'd come from two minutes back and got on the podium, what a great story that would have been, yeah. you know, like he's finally redemption. He's finally well, on the way the judges, back. The but, judges are not looking at the bigger picture. Like that judge yeah. was just being, Exactly. And I get that, you know, you can't apply that same principle to age group racing where you don't know people, but this is, you know, 40 of the best in the world on a start line. Like use, use your head and try to coach them into the best result. Okay, well, that's us at the end of the end of that. We've got a couple of things we're going to talk about. Well, what, what are you watching? What videos are you watching? What are you reading? What are you what's it's usually it's about what's getting you through your training, uh, but you're not really doing much training, are you? Way too much because I've been plowing <laughs> through a lot because of uh, way too much time on my hands. I've gone through Foundation. I've gone through uh, what's the other one called? Invasion on Apple TV. A couple right. of good shows. You've on Apple got TV. all the subscriptions going on. Yeah, but the the ultimate we've finally got round to season four of Succession, so that's that's ah. what's happening at the moment. So, yeah, I've seen it. I won't yeah. ruin it for you. Where are you on it? What 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 episode? Are Two you episodes in? in. Oh yeah, I'm not going to say. Yeah, right, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Ah, nice. Well, I I was reading a book from holiday that I continued um, called The Auschwitz Sisters. Bit depressing, but actually a really good read. So, um, what was interesting? It's really it's all based in the Netherlands, and there's this big house that features in it, which is in Narden or Housen. And I've biked past it many times and never even realised, which is pretty cool. And it's uh, it's like a it's a re- uh, what's it called it's fi- uh, non-fiction yeah it's about two yeah it's about two sisters that were resisting the occupation in the netherlands and they'd created a sort of hideaway house where they were uh, hiding jewish people and um yeah and the whole story around that's fascinating really good book i'm not going to ruin it but i would recommend anyone that's got any interest in the holocaust or anything to read it it's really cool and you can you know if you're living here you recognize a lot of the names and places and yeah. things. so it's it just really cool but um, nice but that's it on that positive note <laughs> well i'm doing a gravel race let's end on some more positive i'm doing a gravel yeah. event on sunday with um stuart from the club i've got a bunch of gravel bunch of mountain biking but uh let's see how we go first i'm gonna try and firstly get through like 20k on the bike <laughs> and see how that goes but uh i think we will share more about that in the next podcast, or well, next, yeah, podcast. next time we're going to actually try and get a hold of uh yeva yeva from attack from my club who is <laughs> we're not going to try i'm sorry yeva we're not going to try and say your surname i could spell it but that's probably even more embarrassing i'm gonna try it so it's no i can't i just it's, <laughs> it's just too difficult sorry you ever uh, she actually done the the norseman in august i think it was a great yeah. performance here so we're going to try and get the, on and speak to her about that mythical norseman which yeah. you have to spend seven years trying to get into to yeah we're going to find out how yeah. she's done it she must know the secret there's got to be some some secret so yeah she's up for that so hopefully that'll be in the next uh, podcast i'm looking forward to that but until cool. then i think that's a good one if you're interested in like anything like sort of beyond ironman or it's iron distance but it's um because of the course goes beyond ironman so if you're interested in like ultras or like yeah. crazy distance triathlons or like yeah. triathlons in different types of environments then that's a good one to listen to so hopefully next time until then we'll uh, we'll see you guys later so bye-bye bye